0: Thanks for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. Our hope is that it helps you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. it's what it's all about. Book of Micah. Okay, so um, I want to run through this. I mean, we're obviously a little bit late on time. Uh, with the book of Micah because of our exercise. But I want to make sure that you understand the context that we're dealing with. Um, Micah was prophesying, a, a good solid date for him would be um, about 700 B.C. 701 uh, was when uh, uh, the, the northern kingdom of Israel fell to Assyria. He was alive before that, uh, and he was prophesying well after that as well. So he knew what happened to Uh, Assyria, or what happened to Israel through Assyria. So he was a man, a prophet, warning God's people. Micah was a prophet to the southern kingdom of Judah. It would be really hard to be a prophet to the southern kingdom of Israel at the time because they had been overrun by the Assyrians. If you remember from 2 Kings 17, 18, and 19, uh, a lot of those people exiled to Assyria, new people brought in to replace. This is one of Assyria's strategies to make sure their enemies are no longer a problem for them. So that's a blank. Micah was a prophet of the southern kingdom of Israel. Uh, fun fact, Micah was a contemporary with a well-known prophet named Isaiah and Nahum, the gentleman we spoke about uh, last week. If you remember, Nahum dealt with um, Assyria and, and how God was going to deal with that enemy of his. So they're all contemporary prophets. Micah has been given the nickname, the prophet of the, anybody want to take a guess? The poor. The prophet of the poor. Micah, you can see all throughout the book of Micah, God's care uh, for the poor and the oppressed. So I asked you guys to identify the sin uh, because one of the things that Micah does is identify the sin of Judah. Uh, That's the blank, identify the sin of Judah. This is the scriptures from Micah chapter one verses 1 through 2. The word of the Lord came to Micah of Moresheth during the reigns of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. The vision he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Samaria was the capital of Israel. At the time, remember, uh, Samaria had been wiped out during, during Micah's lifetime in Jerusalem, the capital of the southern kingdom of Judah, he would use those euphemisms to express um, the entirety of the land. Micah chapter one, verse two, hear you peoples, all of you listen, earth and all who live in it, that the sovereign Lord may bear witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. So this book from the outset is a message against the sin of the people of Judah. I want to make a note on where Micah is from. The book says that Micah is from the uh, town of Morsheth. So after David established his kingdom, um, he set up these different fortified cities. Uh, Amongst them would have been the one known as Lakesh that we uh, mentioned last week in class. This is uh, when Sennacherib came through and uh, Assyria had been conquered. Sennacherib was coming through the southern kingdom of Judah. And if you remember, he conquered about 41 or 42, I can't remember how many uh, cities in the southern kingdom of Judah that were fortified. Meaning they had defenses and they had army and the Assyrians wiped through. Morsheth was one of those fortified cities. Morsheth is the home of Micah. So he knew the destruction that the Assyrians could bring. He was personally aware of the judgment of God on his own people through a foreign enemy because his own town had been destroyed and demolished as Sennacherib was making his way to Jerusalem. So this is a man deeply connected to what Assyria had done. So he has a place in warning his people of what God will do to Jerusalem if they continue in their sin. He first goes by addressing the leaders. The leaders of Judah were robbing from the poor. They were robbing from the poor. This is Micah speaking to Judah. Then I said, listen, you leaders of Jacob, you rulers of Israel, should you not embrace justice? You hate good and love evil. You who tear the skin from my people and the flesh from their bones, who eat my people's flesh, strip off their skin and break their bones in pieces, who chop them up like meat for the pan, like flesh for the pot. You understand the the analogy that he is making here on how the leaders of Judah are treating the people of Judah? He's calling it cannibalism. That's exactly the analogy he's making. He's trying to give a picture of how badly the leadership who is supposed to be leading in the way of God is treating God's own people, the people that they've been appointed to lead and to care for. These officials are wicked. The leaders are wicked and then next the prophets are wicked. The prophets of Judah were favoring the wealthy. They were in this together. Elijah, or I'm sorry, not Elijah. Uh, Micah then speaks uh, in Micah 3, verses 5 through 7. This is what the Lord says. As for the prophets who lead my people astray, they proclaim peace if they have something to eat, but prepare to wage war against anyone who refuses to feed them. Therefore, night will come over you without visions and darkness without destination. The sun will set for the prophets and the day will dark for them. The seers will be ashamed Dividend is disgraced. They will all cover their faces because there is no answer from God. This is a judgment against his contemporary prophets. Although these are failed prophets, and they are failed prophets because they are unfaithful prophets. They're prophesying for a dollar. What I'm saying is they're prophesying to the wealthy because the wealthy will feed them, will pay them, will take care of them. The poor have no means to do such, to do so. And so they will not prophesy for them or they will only prophesy judgment in doom. Now, you might be thinking, well, like, what is this prophecy? Is it, is it like this is going to come true? The people of God put a lot of stock into the words of a prophet, whether or not it would come true. So you have prophets of God like Micah, and then you have prophets of the evil one who are just prophesying. Faking it is what they're doing to make a dollar, to make a buck off of the wealthy and to discourage the poor, because the poor would want to hear from God. And these prophets were supposed to be people who heard from God and proclaimed the message of God, but they would give no message to the people. I want to read a note from a commentary that uh, I was studying a couple of weeks ago on this issue. For the issue of failed prophets, this has been brought about by the greed of the prophets who sell their deceptive prophecies rather than speaking them freely in response to God's prompting. The commercialization of prophetic speech assures peace or prosperity for the merchants and their nobility who give the prophets bread and brings down threat of ruins allegorized here as war on those who fail to bribe them. So the leaders are oppressing the poor. The prophets are favoring the wealthy, therefore also oppressing the poor. I want you to take note of Micah's contrast with the other prophets of the day. He's writing about himself in Micah chapter 3, verse 8. He says, But as for me, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, with justice and might, to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. What Micah is saying is, I don't accept from man Prophesy. I accept the word of the Lord to prophesy on His behalf. I'm a spokesperson of God. I'm not in this for the money. So you can kind of get a picture of all the things that are going on in the land of Judah and with the people of Judah. Mostly they're oppressing the poor. And as you know, God has always cared for. The poor. It's all throughout the Old Testament. You see compassion and empathy ooze from from the person of Jesus in the Gospels, and you see church leaders like Paul and Timothy and Peter writing to to uplift and to serve and to give to the poor and the oppressed in the New Testament. God has always cared for the poor, but His people are merciless toward their very own poor. So there comes an announcement of. Judgment. That's the next blank. This is Micah's sermon, if you will. You were asked to identify the sins of Southwest Missourians and then asked to craft a message uh, to them. This is what Micah is doing. He has identified their sins and he's crafting this prophecy to tell them uh, this message. And he starts with their sin and then he moves to the announcement of judgment. Your sin will bring about the judgment of God. That's the next blank. Judah's sin has brought judgment upon themselves this is a summary of their sin you'll recognize some of the things micah 3:11 through 12 her leaders judge for a bribe her priests teach for a price and her prophets tell fortunes for money yet they look for the lord's support and say is not the lord among us no disaster will come upon us therefore because of you zion will be plowed like a field Jerusalem will become a heap of rubble. The temple hill, a mound overgrown with thickets. Their pride, somebody mentioned pride as a sin as we were doing our exercise earlier. Their pride will lead to their destruction because God will not let sin go unpunished is the next blank. He will not let the sin of the leaders and the prophets and the priests of Judah go unpunished before him. Why? Well, you mentioned they mentioned in this video that uh, Israel is supposed to be uh, the the hope of the world, a, a blessing to the world, and they cannot be a blessing to the world if they're a burden to their very own people. Um, Micah chapter six verses nine through fifteen. I want to read a a, a, a a response from God on the, the the recognition of Judah's sin. Micah six nine. Uh, I'm just gonna actually start in verse ten. Am I still to forget your ill gotten treasures? You wicked your wicked house in the short Epoth which is accursed? Shall I quit someone with dishonest scales, with a bag of false weights? You rich people are violent, your inhabitants are liars, and their tongues speak deceitfully. Therefore I have begun to destroy you, to ruin you because of your sins. You will eat, but not be satisfied. Your stomach will still be empty. You will store up, save nothing. Because what you save, I will give to the sword. You will plant, but not harvest. You will press olives, but not use oil. You will crush grapes, but not drink the wine. All this work that you do in evil will be in vain. You will not be blessed by sinning. So you have the... The, the recognition of Israel's sin, the announcement of God's judgment upon Judah. And then thirdly, you have the offer of repentance. Offer of repentance. Here's the reality. I think this is the truth in the next two blanks on the next line. I would say this is true. Even sinners hate the place where sin leaves them. Maybe not in the immediate, but in the long term. Even sinners hate the place where sin leaves them. This is Judah responding to the accusations of judgment from God. These are the words of of the people, not just Micah or, or, or God, but this is Israel's response. What misery is mine? I am like one who gathers summer fruit at the gleaning of the vineyard, There is no cluster of grapes to eat, none of the early figs that I crave. The faithful have been swept from the land, not one upright person remains. Everyone lies in wait to shed blood, they hunt each other with nets. Both hands are skilled in doing evil, Their ruler demands gifts, the judge accepts brides, the powerful dictate what they desire, they all conspire together. The best of them is like a briar. The most upright, worse than a thorn hedge. The day God visits you has come. The day your watchmen sound the alarm. Now is the time of your confusion. Do not trust a neighbor. Put no confidence in a friend. Even with the woman who lies in your embrace, guard the words of your lips. For a son dishonors his father, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the members of his own household. But as for me... I watch and hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior. My God will hear me. This is the voice of those who are trying and yearning to repent of their sin because even sinners hate where their sin leaves them. They can't trust anybody. They see their eyes have been opened to how bad it has gotten in their place with their people. And I I love this line of Israel as they're announcing this repentance. But as for me, I watch and hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior. My God will hear me. My God will hear my repentance. He will know that I want to turn. They should, the the people, because of their sin, sin, should have been waiting and watching for God to destroy them. But now they're waiting and watching in hope that God will restore them. Micah gives a, 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 the, the answer of how the sinner can turn to God. That's the next blank, how the sinner can turn to God. The sinner is asking, "...with what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before Him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand of rams, with ten thousand rivers of oil?" Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? And Micah says no. Micah chapter 6 verse 8, probably the most famous verse of Micah. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Three things that Judah had not been doing. They had been forcing injustice upon the poor. They had not been loving the mercy of God that he has on people. And they had not been walking humbly. They were a people in a place full of pride. So Micah says what you need to do is turn away from the ways of sin and turn toward the way of God. Seek justice, love mercy, walk humbly. And then Micah, the last, the last section of Micah's prophecy to um, Judah, the hope of restoration, the hope of restoration. Micah chapter 7, verses 8 through 10. I believe this is a, a, a common voice that is Micah's that he's speaking on behalf of Judah. When he says, do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Because I have sinned against him, I will bear the Lord's wrath until he pleads my case and upholds my cause. He will bring me out into the light. I will see his righteousness. Then my enemy will see it and be covered with shame. She who said to me, where is the Lord your God? My eyes will see her downfall. Even now she will be trampled underfoot like mire in the streets." I think this is a response I said between Micah and Israel or Micah and Judah as they are responding to the the enemy all around them, those trying to overtake them, but they're also confessing their sin and recognizing that the Lord will restore their right relationship with him and he will dispel the enemies that he was once planning to use to destroy them. I think that's what Micah is saying in Micah 7 verses 8 through 10. In smack dab in the book of the prophet Micah, we have this prophecy from Micah chapter five, verses one through fifteen, that is undeniably a prophecy about Jesus. And today, to end our class, I want to read that prophecy of Jesus and hope for us. And then I will pray, and we will tackle two books next week. The last time we tried two books, didn't go so well, but I have a better plan this time to not talk so much about one particular book. Next week, we're going to be doing Habakkuk and Zephaniah, um, and we'd love for you to uh, maybe read those before you come uh, to to class next week. So Micah chapter 5, this is actually all of Micah chapter 5. Micah says, Marshal your troops now, city of troops, for a siege is laid against us. They will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, Out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely. For then his greatness, which reaches to the ends of the earth, and he will be our peace. When the Assyrians invade our land and march through our fortresses, we will raise against them seven shepherds, even eight commanders who will rule the land of Assyria with the sword, the land of Nimrod with drawn sword. He will deliver us from the Assyrians when they invade our land and march across our borders." The remnant of Jacob will be in the midst of many peoples like dew from the Lord, like showers on the grass, which do not wait for anyone or depend on man. The remnant of Jacob will be among the nations in the midst of many peoples like a lion among the beast of the forest, like a young lion among flocks of sheep, which mauls and mangles as it goes and no one can rescue Your hand will be lifted up in triumph over your enemies and your foes will be destroyed. In that day, declares the Lord, I will destroy your horses from among you and demolish your chariots. I will destroy the cities of your land and tear down all your strongholds. I will destroy your witchcraft and you who no longer will cast spells. I will destroy your idols and your sacred stones from among you. You will no longer bow down to the works of your hands. I will uproot from among you Asherah poles when I demolish your cities. I will take vengeance and anger and wrath on the nations that have not obeyed me. Now this is a message about Jesus and you may be wondering, wait a second. He was mentioning Assyria and he was mentioning the things that are happening currently. That's because Micah did not know the name of Jesus of Nazareth. So when we read this Old Testament and we read of What God will do in the future, we understand this to mean Assyria representing an enemy that is even greater than them, the enemy that is Satan, and what God will do to the enemy of Satan and all who align themselves with him. Jesus will destroy. He will have victory and the people of God who repent from their sins and turn to him will be restored to him. This is the book of Micah in the immediate and the future. I hope you've enjoyed this message. (laughs) just kidding. (laughs) kidding. Guys, thanks so much for being here. And uh, we will tackle Habakkuk and Zephaniah next week. You guys are awesome. Now, go preach against, against the people of South Missouri's sins and for restoration with Christ. Thanks again for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. We hope that this teaching is helping you discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. If you're interested in learning more about Christchurch, visit us online at cco.church.